another little shot of rain. And now things are nice. In fact, it's going to be hot this weekend. Things are growing like crazy, and farmers are going pedal to the metal right now because a lot of things couldn't happen maybe as early as some folks would have liked to have gotten started with how wet things were and how long it was basically winter dragged out on and on and on. And boom, all of a sudden, it's it's, it's basically summer now. At least today is going to feel like summer uh, from what I'm hearing there from the weather forecast. Welcome back. We continue on the farming edition, the farming show here on KGMI News Talk 790. I'm your host, Dylan Honkoop. What is going on out in the fields uh, out there? Um, and uh, in Whatcom County, Skagit County, around Northwest Washington, where we do farming a little bit differently. Um, that's why it's nice to be able to have this opportunity to talk about it here. Uh, really, no one else um, on the radio dial anywhere is focused on on these issues, and, and that's what we like to do. And and, and making it possible uh, is Laurel Farm and Western Supply, Farmers Equipment Company, and McAvoy Oil, our great sponsors here on the Farming Show. Joining us right now longtime uh, Northwest Washington agronomist based out of, well, he, he lives in Whatcom County, technically based out of Skagit. Steve Groon, welcome to the program. So what's, what's, your, what's your official job title there in Skagit? Well, my official uh, job title is uh, regional sales manager, but I work as a crop advisor with the rest of our agronomists uh, throughout the uh, four-county region. Uh, we are a 75-year-old uh, farmer-owned co-op regionally based in Whatcom, Skagit, Snohomish, and Island counties and King counties with retail stores in states all around the Pacific Northwest. But so, predominantly what I do is work with farmers in the Whatcom and Skagit area. So people hear uh, Skagit farmers, but it doesn't mean that you just service and, and, and help out Skagit farming. You do farming in a lot of other places too. That's correct. Uh, we are a regional-based uh, co-op. We are a local, locally-owned co-op. Our board members are all part of uh, Skagit County and Hey, we do whatever it takes for farmers in Whatcom or Skagit. We do custom spraying, we do consultation, we do, you know, fertility programs, organic programs. Uh, we try to help our members and customers in the best ways possible with the most advanced uh, technologies out there when it comes to agronomic practices. And yeah, I guess we're down here. We're a bit of jack of all trades. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, yeah. and, and just before we came on the air here, you were saying, man, things are busy. I said, so what's keeping you busy? And you said, well, you know, corn planting, grass planting, raspberries, potato planting, uh, you, you, know, you name it, the list goes on. Um, yeah, last week here on the program, uh, last time we talked quite a bit about corn, we had Clay Pell on uh, with CHS, and he was talking about all the decisions, the kind of complicated decision-making matrix that uh, producers have to go through this time of year as they're deciding what to take out, what to put into corn, what corn to plant, uh, how to plant it, what <laughs> what products to put on it, what not to put on all this kind of stuff. A lot of those same decisions have to be made in grass, and I know you've, amongst all the things that you deal with, uh, you have a lot of expertise in growing grass and taking care of dirt and building a healthy sod and growing uh, healthy cattle feed and, and a lot of other things, I guess, that people end up doing with grass. So talk about what's happening right now with people growing grass. What kind of decisions are they making right now? Because I know a bunch of seedings have, have just gone in. People are thinking about it. Uh, people are thinking about what to do with their ex existing stands of grass. 
and I say all this, I should mention uh, with the understanding that most of the grass uh, that we're talking about growing here is for cattle feed and nutrition. Um, what, what's, what's the big decisions being made right now? Well, the decisions being made right now, a lot of the first cuttings, uh, the first uh, crop has come off. Uh, farmers are trying to make decisions well, to keep those stands in place or maybe rotate them to corn or maybe uh, rotate with a neighbor to potatoes. A lot of those decisions on rotations were made earlier in the season. But now is the time to evaluate those stands to see if they're going to stand the test uh, through the summer and be able to yield uh, high levels of dry matter to, you know, satisfy the needs of uh, the many dairy cows in these counties. And uh, grass, I know when you're driving down the road and you're riding your mountain bike, it's a beautiful thing and it looks just like grass. But uh, there's a lot of art to it and uh, there's a lot of management involved in growing a good grass crop. And, uh, you know, you know, I spent 30 years under cows milking them. That was my night job as a dairy farmer. <laughs> and, and the management of grass, is, it's crucial to your operation because if you don't uh, practice the right cutting intervals, plant the right species for your soil type, uh, the right varieties to, to accomplish what you want, whether you're feeding heifers, calves, uh, milk cows, you can lose a lot of money or you can do things right. And when you're farming grass, the dry matter yields in our little corner of the world here are quite phenomenal. I mean, there's guys doing nine tons of dry matter on grass a year. So explain what that means. That. Explain what that means to somebody who doesn't know dry matter. What, what are they looking at? You just think, well, you get as much grass as you get, right? Yeah, you do, Dylan. But with all our modern equipment now, we weigh each load that comes off the field off the fields to match our nutrient management. Um, so what dry matter is, if you're looking at grass and you go out on the lawn, cut your lawn and pick up a handful of fresh grass, you're probably looking at, at a product that smells really good, looks really pretty and green, but it's about 82% moisture. Mm. So um, what farmers like to do, because uh, when you're chopping grass, making hay, all those products get harvested at different moisture levels, depending on what you do. So we tend to measure the moisture amount in those forages and calculate it back to dry matter tons. And that gives you uh, a fair comparison against, um, you know, any type of forage harvesting you might be doing. Because it's not like if that same grass was a lot wetter, let's say you put it up earlier or something like it has that much more nutrition value because of all the extra water that's in it. The, the nutrition value is in that dry matter, right? The nutrition value is in the dry matter, but when grass goes through the fermentation processes or you're putting it into hay, um, you know, farmers really need to shoot for uh, the proper moisture level to, to uh, enhance the fermentation of that product, which produces acetic and lactic acid, which preserves uh, that crop as silage, much like, uh, you know, you would when you're uh, canning pickles. Acetic acid stops all the mold growth and uh, gives it that nice flavor, which makes a beautiful feed for dairy cows, obviously. So, you know, cutting intervals, you cut that grass at the right time, you get the proper sugar levels, you get the proper protein levels, and you could really reduce your um, grain cost or outside feed cost by putting up the best forage you can to keep that cow healthy and keep her producing, whether it's for beef or, or milk or, and, you know, and that varies from beef cattle to horses. It, it just depends on what you're feeding. 
Steve Groon is with us right now uh, with Skagit Farmer Supply, longtime agronomist here in Northwest Washington, talking about grass and, and what the secret is to growing great grass here in the Pacific Northwest. I've heard that uh, they our grass is so tough up here that, that this is where uh, Heston comes to actually test out new equipment for their squathers. Why is that? What, what is it about growing grass up here that's different than anywhere else? Well, we have this beautiful temperate, you know, moderate, almost uh, rainforest type of climate. And a lot of these grasses have been bred and evolved in Western Europe, which has a lot of um, the same type of climate we do. It's just a natural environment for cool season grasses. So they tiller, they grow thick. We have lots of moisture. Grass loves rain to a point and uh, loves moisture and high levels of nutrients, which, you know, dairy farmers do produce high levels of nutrients, obviously. So it it's the perfect combination. It's a perfect balance. And um, I'd say the quality of our grass silages rival that of uh, high-quality alfalfa produced in other areas, such as the Columbia Basin, and um, works really well into dairy rations. And mm -hmm. I think for a lot of dairy farmers in Whatcom and Skagit and Snohomish counties, it's one of the reasons why we've been successful over the years, despite all of our challenges. And also the environmental aspects of growing grass. Uh, there's nothing finer than, you know, having a grass crop up there because, as you well know, Dylan, when you pull a clump of grass out of the ground, you see this beautiful fibrous root system and the ability to pick up nitrogen, phosphorus, uh, potassium, and all the minerals produced by dairy cows in the form of manure. There's nothing finer. It, it makes a great yeah. forage. It's, well, and, and, and it's a, a, a biofilter for our water. Uh, it's it's habitat through a, much of the year for wildlife. I mean, there are so many benefits. Grass has become trendy again in the last several years, too, with everyone talking about grass-fed beef and all these things. And we could get into the details about what's really true and what's not about that. But I think what's recognized is uh, that grass is is an important and 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 a and a healthy thing certainly to be feeding animals and certainly a way to upcycle nutrients throughout the whole food system as well um, from from things that couldn't be consumed by humans like ryegrass or something uh, into products like milk and beef and and ultimately in the whole cycle even uh, as we're working on spreading those nutrients out to different crops uh, berries and and veggies and all these other things in the whole system and and grass is kind of one of the things on the ground floor of that whole uh, system. Steve, when we're talking about grass, what are we talking about here variety-wise? What's popular right now? What are you telling people this spring? You know, I, I know some of the basics out there. I'm not a real expert on these, but, you know, there's the old-school orchard grass, and some people love that, and then there's fescues uh, as as far as varieties, and there's rye grasses. What are the different uses for those, and, and when do you tell people which to use? Well, they're some of it is personal preference and uh, what, I, what I like to discuss with a farmer, what kind of soil types are you planting? Because fescues will, will uh, be more prolific in wetter soils. If you have nice, high, sandy, loamy, high organic matter soil that you, uh, is not prone to uh, flooding, uh, the orchard grasses are in very popular. Predominantly, the festololiums are becoming much more popular in recent years, and I see the trends going back toward more blends than rather mono stands of orchard grass, ryegrass, 
or fescues. And uh, that seems to be the trends right now. And all these grasses will produce wonderful levels of nutrients. It's predominantly how they're managed mm. more than anything. But, you know, as you know, Dylan, you've been involved in the dairy industry and there's more than one way to skin a cat. And what's successful <laughs> for one manager on one farm may not be um successful for another's like on my dairy farm i was a dairy farmer as i said we grow predominantly rye grasses with small amounts of uh, orchard grass and we graze our cows throughout the season so that works really well for us uh, clovers really aren't a popular um, um cut and take forage in forage stands right now that's yep. more in the grazing situations but that that's what's going on out there and it depends if a farmer wants to make a cutting of hay say late july august they might trend toward more of the orchards and the fescues and away from the rye grasses just because not because of the quality, but they're able to dry down that crop. And um, we have a lot of human nights, humid nights here. And yeah. it's just hard to make hay at certain yeah, times. Yeah, our, our window, even if you have sunny weather, our window to make hay in the year isn't that long compared to other areas just because even if it's warm during the day, our nights are long and there's a lot of moisture um, earlier and later in the year uh, that, that you just can't get rid of. Uh, and you definitely don't want to burn a barn down with putting up hay that's too wet. Uh, as too many people have learned the hard way, um, hay will, for, for people who don't know, hay will self-combust. If you make hay, you put it up and, and you store it when it's too wet. Um, moisture levels in there can create these conditions that will actually create enough heat to, heat to catch it on fire. Um, Dylan Honkoop with you here on the Farming Show, KGMI News Talk 790. Steve Groon, our guest, agronomist with Skagit Farmers Supply. And we're talking about varieties of grass. Um, I know some of the dairy folks, you know, go, go to a farm and they'll say, oh, you know, orchard grass is the way uh, it, it's, it's not as easy to grow, but it, it milks like crazy. And, oh, with fescue, it, I love how it looks, but it doesn't it doesn't milk very good or all these different things like that. What do you say to people with all that? Because basically what you're telling me here is it really comes down more to how it's managed uh, than even what the specific variety is. Well, we all inject our own opinion, opinions into a into how we manage grass and those are very valuable because you know whatcom county dairy farmers skagit county they're some of the best in the world and um i i what i do try to do with my farmers let's look at some of the local data let's see if this is really true is this affecting your dry matter intakes let's talk to your nutritionist let's get everyone involved in making these decisions your agronomist your nutritionist the dairy farmer himself um as I said, you can be successful with growing a lot of different uh, varieties of grass and maintain high levels of milk production and herd health. And I know this sounds confusing, Dylan, but that that's pretty much the fact. I've seen mm. dairy farmers very successful with high levels of production, growing predominantly fescues. I've seen them with orchard grasses. Uh, you get into Snohomish County, uh, rye grasses are quite prolific. So, yeah, in my mind, it comes down to fertility management, um, cultural practices, making sure you get it cut on time, uh, cutting intervals, 25 to 28 day intervals, um, harvesting that forage at the proper moisture for whatever you're doing, making sure it's packed and then filed right. It's just not a simple process. Yeah. And yeah. as you well know, Dylan, uh, the weather in Western Washington is not always conducive to putting up good forages. So yeah, oh, there's or, a, so many factors. Or or the or the stuff even underneath the grass, uh, the soil health. Um, th that's a, probably a pretty big factor too. And and some of those practices. 
you know, depending on how people are rotating, depending on how they're treating their soil, whether or not they're on it when it's wet, things like that can really affect the soil health and the, the productivity of the grass that grows on top of that dirt too, right? Absolutely. And I think a very important thing to point out to those of uh, us who aren't accustomed to agriculture, when you see a crop of grass being managed by a dairy farmer, it's really, uh, it's encouraging because there's a lot of carbon getting sequestered back into the ground with the root mass and the sod and everything. And um, and soil health is definitely improved by long-term grass stands. Yeah. We've proven that in Whatcom County. And, you know, but there there are pests out there like crane flies, um, cutworms, not so much in this area, but other areas, um, army worms. There's a lot of factors out there and pests that need to be managed. Broadleaf weeds, noxious weeds uh, need to be managed because uh, they're not conducive to forage quality. Some plants accumulate nitrate in them, at which at higher levels are are not uh, good for dairy cows. It robs the oxygen out of their blood. So, you know, we look at grass. Grass is not grass, and uh, it needs to be managed correctly, just as a corn crop would or any other crop. Now, it's a complex yeah. Real quick, you mentioned uh, bugs, uh, and I know last summer, towards the end of the summer, we had kind of an outbreak of army worm up here in, in Whatcom, and I know other places did too, and that, in some cases... Uh, on some fields almost totally eliminated the fifth cutting just because of those hungry little bugs eating a lot of the grass. Now I'm hearing about some spots, up, at least up here in Whatcom County, with crane fly. What, what are you seeing out there so far uh, as far as disease and, and insect pressure? There are some crane fly larvae out there. They're mostly pupating now, so control, for the most part, not always. We're beyond the point of control, so if you've got a field that was infested with crane flies uh, and the roots have been pruned off, you probably are left with no choice but either to rotate to a corn crop or back to grass and try to start all over again and maybe discover them before they go bad. Wow. Next year, crane flies showed up here, I'd say in the early 70s. I remember as a child on the farm, nearly every dairy farmer in Whatcom County um, was treating his fields uh, to destroy crane fly larvae by helicopter. And <laughs> you, were, you weren't born yet then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And it seems like we go through these cycles um, where they're quite prolific. They can also damage corn. Yeah. Um, we often call the larvae leather jackets. And uh, they're out there. You can find them in your own lawn. It's probably a little late for this season. But there are pockets here and there, and they seem to be more prolific in, in western Snohomish County, what I've noticed over the years. But it, it's definitely a pest that we need to be wary of as yeah. farmers and monitor it. Well, from what I understand, there are different ways, too, to, to find out just uh, what your crane fly larva situation in, is in your soil. And, and some of those techniques are, let's just say, a little bit more flammable uh, than, yeah. <laughs> than others. Yeah. But we'll leave it at that. Steve Grun, Agron, we're out of time for now. We could, I'm sure there's so much, we could talk for hours, I'm sure, about all the things that you're involved with right now and your years of experience. Steve Grun, agronomist with Skagit Farmers Supply, working in Whatcom and Skagit County and even farther south than that. Thank you so much for your time chatting with us for a few minutes, and I'll let you get back to it here on a busy Saturday morning. Thank you, Dylan.